0: Welcome to the Build the Future podcast. My name is Cameron Wiese, and I'm your host. I've always been fascinated by the ideas and sentiment that drove American culture in the 1960s with the space race. A culture galvanized to dream about the possibilities of tomorrow, whether it's food, transportation, cities, biology, or anything else. It was this cultural mindset rooted in optimism that the world tomorrow would be better than the world today. A mindset where people were compelled to build things, and I quote JFK, not because they were easy, but because they were hard. It's this desire to build and to dream that seems to have been lost and something we're here to bring back. With Build the Future, we're here to promote the ideas and stories of those who see how the future can be better and promote their plans to get us there. It's our mission to get you to dream about the possibilities of tomorrow, dream about the future that you want to live in, and inspire you to go build. Today, we're talking with Adam Keating, the CEO of CoLab. At CoLab, they're building software to simplify the design review process for engineering teams who are building complex products. In doing so, they're building the infrastructure that makes it faster and easier to build the products that will shape our future. Let's jump right in. What's one thing that's been really exciting for you? personally or professionally, like with CoLab over the last couple of weeks? Like what's something you're really, really like feeling good about?
1: We've had this like really big vision since we started the company. Uh, what we're building is like, you know, not a short-term product that goes to a billion dollars in two years. And that's kind of This it. It is a long-term industry shift. And funny enough, like the podcast is, you know, build, build the future. Our like tagline for a while was build the future faster. <laughs> um, so like we're literally, we, we, left, we left our engineering jobs to build better tools for engineering teams and, we had a really massive product milestone in March and it was Colab 3.0. And, and really what that meant outside of, you know, being a better product for customers is it was the foundation that would let us scale and do things in a much more flexible way going forward because like engineering is so complicated. These programs are so difficult that like one piece of software that needs to be like either molded to everybody or require software development to customize, it doesn't work. And that's why you see like these really complicated PLMs today we're really focused on like end user experience and this was kind of for us we got through that milestone late in March and ever since we're like okay we can see now how the whole thing starts churning Um, and we're now back to working on like a lot of the big blue sky picture things that customers been asking for for a couple years and we're we're pretty pumped to do that so I think for me that's the biggest win is just being able to be like super creative again Um, customers happy with it and then Now it's like, you know, what other problems do we go solve? How do we build this thing faster so that other people, other engineers can go build, you know, their products faster and better. What does PLM stand for? Product Lifecycle Management. It's basically like a very big, massive database of all your files that helps with your vision control and management, and then the whole life cycle. So like an official change. They were introduced like a couple of decades ago because parts would end up getting manufactured that were the wrong version. And they're put there for control. Like they're they're built to be like a system of record. And almost every company has one and the market's huge. Like the market now is almost $60 billion. The CAD market, like the 3D design market in comparison is less than 10. So it gives you like an order of magnitude of like how much companies invest there because of the problems that come out of it. But the problem is they're so complicated that the end user doesn't use it for day-to-day things. They use it when they need to go through the process. So what happens then is engineers go out. You know, in spreadsheets, make trackers, they send everything through email to communicate, they put their design ideas in PowerPoint slides and all that data and communication is like totally up to them to go figure out and it's a complete mess. And uh, we actually just released on our blog today, my co-founder, he was at Tesla at the time, sending little screenshots back and forth to a supplier to try and communicate design changes. And this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks for a small part. And we were just like, if that didn't take so long for a small part, and everything else could be that much faster. Imagine how much faster that car would have been built. And then you think about like sending people to Mars is the goal of 2025 or 2030, whatever it may be. Like imagine that change over a 10, 15 year window like, it's a year Like you talk about a full year of uh, being able to do something faster. And that, that ultimately is what kicked us back to Newfoundland uh, in the end, start the companies we were like, you know we were in our early twenties, um, just finished university had been in different industries and said, you know, we can't see ourselves working with this tool chain for the next 30 years. Like it just isn't good enough. When you compare what software engineers have, like look at like the GitHub ecosystem and how everything just like slides into it. You look at the mechanical ecosystem, it's complete opposite. Like it, no one can figure out how to the tools up to get a piece of software. There's like 200 roles you have to work through. And it's like, just not built to be easy. And uh, we said, you know, someone got to change this. And uh, my co-founder, Jeremy, uh, he convinced me at the time, he said, it's a good idea. Let's move back to Newfoundland and let's start this. And uh we turned down our jobs in the Bay Area, and we moved back here, and uh, then we started the company.
0: I know you're you working on the, the Hyperloop project for for a little while. I'm sure that, that kind of the process there influenced uh, the stuff you're doing at Colab. Before we dive into that, can you just have you kind of paint a broad overview of like specifically what does Colab enable people to do, and why is that why is that really important?
1: CoLab itself is an engineering collaboration platform. Today, we're really hyper-focused on the design review process and issue tracking. So sort of like the equivalent of what like JIRA and like the PR process and software is brought, but for teams building physical products, helping to make both those pieces faster, more agile and easier to work together. what we're looking for is teams being able to build higher quality products in a much faster pace where they're not spending so much time doing administrative work. They can spend their time doing you know, design thinking. And like, how does this thing get us to the next phase in the product lifecycle and not, you know, things that a computer should be doing by the year 2021. And really what that looks like in the simplest form is we take very complicated, like 3D models or associated data, put it in a secure cloud environment that, you know, myself and you or, you know, different suppliers or partners or teammates can work together on. Everything is real time. So if we're talking about a problem, I see your feedback directly in the 3d model, but then the whole system there is there to help you get through the process really fast we've created a framework called leader and uh, really with the goal of bringing like agile and so the key principles that like lean from design and software into like the actual engineering design process and you know for us right now what's been most fun during kind of COVID, I guess is seeing the shift from teams thinking you know this is something we want to do but we can't yet because we're not in the cloud or we're not ready or our system's too complicated. And then the shift now, 12 months later, is everyone's like, okay, we're ready. We've got, we're all on Microsoft Teams. Uh, we, we're, we've got our first taste of like a, a collaboration tool and now people are hungry. So we're just excited to kind of help as many teams as we possibly can building crazy cool things all over the world.
0: How have you been thinking about a shift in the in the physical manufacturing space with COVID? Because traditionally the the idea is like, oh, you all have to be in one room. You have to be able to do th- your 3D kind of printed models and you you compare them, you take notes, and then everyone gets on the same page. But over the last year, like we haven't been able to do that. And it, there's been kind of an accelerated need to figure out like systems like Colab to be able to do all
1: this. Yeah, it's, it's been like super practical. Like day one, we had customers saying we can't print drawings anymore because we're home. Like it wasn't even like, we can't get this model built. We're like, we literally can't print the drawing because I don't have a printer or I need to like send this to somebody. Like what am I gonna do, print, scan them all? And it just became really obvious that that didn't make sense, right? But as soon as they started using it and realizing that the time they're spending physically redlining the drawing is not actually the time. The time they're actually working on is going, finding the file, downloading the file, going to the printer, getting the printer, coming back, marking it up, doing it again, scanning it. Like that's like, Four times the amount of time it takes to like put a piece of pen to this paper and what's really changing is people are starting to see now that it's like you know although it was spawned by force with covid they're starting to realize now they don't have to waste their time doing things that just felt like the normal standard um so we've seen teams like we have one uh only larger enterprise customer that particularly took, like the 3d virtual events instead of having 15, 20 people in a factory for a week trying to figure out how to reduce the cost of a product and add value to it. They put 50 people in a collab workspace, looking at 10 or 15 different 3d models, and they were just putting their ideas on the models for like whenever they had time. Um, so they could do it at any hour of the day, this team works across four or five countries. So, you know, you have people in America and people in China who are just like talking in real time, depending on time or or asynchronously. And at the end of the day, they got twice as many ideas as they usually would. And they spent probably like a tenth of the time and they had spent zero on travel, but like it was better and it was way faster. And it's like, that's what's exciting for us is now teams are starting to figure out that, you know, there's much more creative ways to like actually just go focus on design, building, engineering. And that's why we started the company because we just like saw, we went the Hyperloop thing. That's when we first saw it. me and Jeremy, he lived in Ottawa and I was in St. John's and uh, we just like every night we're on Google Hangouts trying to share like CAD screenshots back and forth, make design changes. And that was like, you know, student problems. we're like, oh yeah, cool. Like student teams, no money, makes sense. But then we go work for like a couple of Fortune 500s, a couple of like high growth startups. And we were doing the same things there, except it was probably exacerbated because there were so many more people involved. The products are way harder. Um, And that's when we realized that there just like, wasn't the same level of effort from like the broader software ecosystem to help these teams um, as there is in the software development world. But yeah it's been a fun a fun year trying to keep up with everything. everybody.
0: It's also you know very, very exciting. obviously, you know, in the software world that infrastructure's been there because software's kind of been a thing you you do remote or at least a lot of projects get started remotely, but with with hardware, that's historically not been the case. What do you think won't be replaced by software in this process?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question and, and honestly, the one thing that I think won't be replaced ever comes back to like the ideation, like you're going to see some things when it comes to, you know, generative design that will end up replacing some parts of structural ideation, for example. But like the thing that will never change is that somebody's got to figure out what the problem is and how you're going to fix it. And I think what this type of software actually will let you do is spend way more time thinking about the problem itself um, and not like, you know, how many issues we have open, where are they? Oh, we just let this thing go to manufacturing and now it's going to cost $10 million to fix. They can actually think about you know building the thing right so i don't think communication is going to go away i actually think it's going to pick up i think it's going to be more communication it's just going to be actually like real-time valuable communication instead of endless email chains that nobody can ever use again so my biggest thing is you know the design process won't change like there'll be there'll be iterations it'll get better and better but like generally you're still going to start with a problem figure out requirements how you get from there to solution, I think it's going to become more agile, but that general process won't change. Uh, we're not going to stop talking to each other and doing that. I think there should be more of it, which for me is exciting because it lets people then like myself and others work from wherever they want. Obviously there's some limitations physically building the prototype. You'd want to be somewhere, but we talk to our customers actually, like a lot of them in the Bay area who like traditionally travel. Uh, to go to work for like 45 minutes to an hour. They choose to go to work two days a week now when they need to go to the office to build something. Just in like simple things, like their family life is better, their own life is better. They're doing more productive work and it's just because they can communicate better now. Like it, It's simple stuff, but you know, I think you're gonna see lots, lots of that as, as we move forward. Yeah, everyone gets to focus on the, the high leverage work. It's all the small stuff that's like context switching um, versus like the high value problem solving that I think people want to be doing. And it's so important that the other small things are done because that's how problems slip through. Right. And that's why these big systems are put in place. It's because all it takes is one person to make a mistake with the wrong file. And all of a sudden you've manufactured, you know, several hundred thousand, the wrong part. And, and we still see it. Like we still see it every single day, talking to people. It's like one of the main reasons companies reach out to us is they have things slipping through. The design review process because it's hard it's like it's painful long takes forever so things slip through and then when they slip through it causes a change the change costs a lot of money everyone gets upset uh, and then they try to make it better and you know the better the better that can be the the more focus can put on design work and not not so much all the rest
0: seems like there's lots of lots of movement happening in the spaces around streamlining communication and it seems like globally, we're getting to a point where people are able to focus more on, again, more on this high leverage work. And it's creating lots of opportunities for new lifestyles and, and new businesses to be built. Do you kind of feel feel the same? It's hard for me to quantify, but it's just like something in the air. It's like we are getting way more productive and there's way more opportunities to build incredible things now than there were three to five years ago. And I don't think it's COVID either. I think it's just kind of like the software catching up.
1: There's a lot of work to be done still, but like if you look at like general software tools, like we started using Slack six or seven years ago. And I'm like, think back to not using Slack to run collab today. It would be, disaster. I don't even know how we would communicate like a Facebook messenger group, like you wouldn't be able to do it. But that feels like we take it for granted right now, like how big of a change that really was. Like Slack and Teams is like a fundamental different mode of communication that has been, you know, way faster. And I think about, you know, we just switched using Notion for like our internal documentation wiki. And like the speed at which we build documentation now is like easily two or three times faster. Like they've built just an incredible communication and documentation tool that is like just very outside the box. Figma is the same way, like we use Figma for like UI design. And man, like if we were doing that through some of the older tools where it's like one person does it, have a look, We just co-design everything now. And like co-design is where this is going, right? The faster and better we can do things together, the quicker things will start, you know, sending off the mirrors and building like, you know, true electrification of everything uh, and fixing some of these harder problems in the medical field. It fundamentally changes things. And if you think about it, like COVID is a good comparator. Making a vaccine in 12 months happened because people were able to work together and forced to do it. Like if people could do the same thing in the engineering side and just like more easily work together, like a vaccine like that, I would have thought it would have taken years. Like even with all the money, and it's because we it were just like you know, in this case, forced to make it work. We can we can create that culture where it's not so intense as the COVID 19 era. It's better for everyone's life, and they're more productive because I think they aren't nine to five anymore. And when you're once you're remote, like people work different hours and have different lifestyles, and I think respecting that's super important. But people also have ambitions, right? You look at all the companies that like Elon Musk has created. And the stuff that like he, he alone is trying to do is like you know it's insane but it's happening like it really is happening and i have friends working at all those companies and they literally are building all of these things like they're not dreams like they are legit happening which is like super cool because five years ago i didn't think it was gonna be real like the hyperloop thing i remember seeing the white paper and thinking you know i was still working on gas at this point and energy and i had like not really figured out what i wanted to do and that was a turning point in my life when I get introduced to this competition. I was like, okay, I'll like, you know, I'll hang around it. It'll like a cool opportunity. And then we get into this, like, you know, down in Texas with Elon Musk showing up on stage with like 1200 schools, globally competing, like top hundred or something were there. And I see like, I was like, oh, Holy shit. Like, this is crazy. that all these like people all over the world. Like some of the smartest people from the entire planet are here in this room right now. And they're pitching the very first, hyperloop pods because at this point there was just a sketch from Elon, the only one on the internet so everyone was pitching these ideas and our team from Newfoundland like a super small school somehow with a group of other schools made it to the top 30 at that literal moment my whole like, life was like okay like we can actually go build crazy things and we did a terrible job with this first design and we still are still around in this like top bucket you know that then I became hyper obsessed with hyperloop um I ended up spending 18 months, probably just doing it nonstop while working or in school. And uh, then collab came right after it, but we spent a lot of time building Hyperloop pods and thank God it, it made it down to two in the end. It was worth it in the end, but uh, yeah, it was quite the window in my life.
0: What do you think the, the, some of the challenges are to, to taking the Hyperloop from, first of all, Elon put that thing out there and then everyone rallied tons of people show everyone's like oh no cool like let's do this which one suggests that everyone is very excited and everyone is interested in actually building a better physical world which i think you and i both would agree on being a good thing but most people are still like oh no let's build the metaverse let's go build more software it's like no let's not let's not give up on on our physical world but two, just like everyone kind of came together and pulled concepts together now they're Demos, Virgin, doing theirs. What do you think kind of the remaining path looks like to actually implementing the the hyperlip and some of these other kind of crazier physical technologies?
1: The biggest enabler is that people believe, and I said this was the biggest change for me, is when I went to Texas that year, I didn't fundamentally believe that I could go do this. Like I just said from a small place, hadn't seen it happen. Uh, and going there and managing to make it where we made it with what I knew was objectively not very good. That Hyperloop competition, I can tell you, the energy was insane for how much people cared. And there was no money at the end. There was no like it was just that people truly cared. And and that's what it takes to fundamentally change something. And if you go work at Tesla, it's a tough place to work, right? They're working hard. It's like you know, uh, just a massive goal but those people go there because they absolutely care about changing something. And and that's like the fundamental requirement, I think is passion and like belief that it's possible. And, you know, Elon's done some stuff that's like, you know, all all over the place. But the one thing he has definitely done well is he definitely has a big dream and he makes it like very easy to believe that it's possible. So for Hyperloop now, I think the most important part is figuring out the commercial piece, to be honest. I think the technology makes, sense in certain capacities, but some parts are like commercially really difficult to prove. Like we built an air bearing based vehicle and I can tell you, if like going through this, that probably is not the most commercially feasible or technically feasible option. And we spent a lot of time building that. Like there's slightly simpler solutions that almost get you the same value. Like Elon's doing, you know, the cars, like his cars in the tunnels, the boring company not actually a true hyperloop, but still trying to solve the same problem, like high speed transport into condensed areas or long distances, that kind of makes sense. And the infrastructure costs a lot less than pulling a vacuum 600 kilometers uh, through a steel pipe, right? Cause like just think about the simple stuff like contraction expansion of a pipe over 600 kilometers with a vacuum pulled in it, with a vehicle going speed of sound, it's not exactly easy, but you know, virgin hyperloop is actually done by like, people loaded tests, which is insane. It's really cool. But yeah, I think now it's getting the commercial side, right? Someone's going to get it and it's going to work, but there's so many other texts like that now that are going to come behind it and everything is going electric. Every automotive company in the last 18 months has come out with some electric platform, which is really cool to see. Yeah. The more the merrier, I think.
0: Right now we, you kind of think, oh yeah, sure. Maybe one day we'll have hyperloops and tunnels everywhere. Okay. And then we're going to wake up in, well, what is most people's belief. And then five years, 10 years from now, we're going to wake up and we're going to, we're going to take it for granted just like we take Slack and zoom and all these other collaboration tools for granted. We're like, why, like how are we doing anything before? And then it just.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well look at, look at like boom aerospace, right? Like supersonic travel, like that's going to happen. And then people are going to be like, why did they get on a plane that goes 400 kilometers an hour? Why did they do that? But you know, it, it it takes seeing something to like really believe it. And I think that's the one special thing about the Bay Area. Uh, like I think you can build anywhere. Um, and I, I still, like we fundamentally are gonna build collab, you know, headquartered in Newfoundland. We're gonna be all over the world, you know, doing it because our customers are everywhere. But, you know, seeing that, like that experience we had of working there, going through Y Combinator and just seeing like everyone who believed in what they were doing, it changes what you think about what's possible. And it literally changes how you behave Because before that, I was like, you know, now, like, how am I going to convince this massive company that they should work with, you know, a few people from Newfoundland to fix some of their like most burning problems. Whereas now I think we're in a position where that's like, we're in best position to do that, which is cool. It's been, that's, yeah, I can't say enough. I always tell people Hyperloop is a vehicle, but it like, for me, it wasn't like the physical vehicle. It was like the learning vehicle of like, A, how to just be a good engineer and like how to start something, but B also just like how to understand what's possible. Like that, that was the most important part in that whole competition. I think almost everybody who did it would probably tell you the same thing.
0: It's like the vehicle for your own ambition too.
1: It is. It's our team. So I can, I can say our team, we were a team of a group from Mon. We had people from Northeastern, Michigan, Cornell, Harvey Mudd, Princeton. So like MUN, very small school. Then you have Ivy league schools mixed in and that team had about 40 people. Out of those 40 people, I think there was six or eight companies that started and everybody else worked for Tesla or SpaceX or Apple or Google or some other startup, like every single person on that team went and did something super cool. And most of them started somewhere like I did, which was not knowing what they wanted to do and not believing that they could do a whole lot more than the status quo. And it's just because we saw it all and we just you know, had that experience. So yeah if anyone's listening to this and they're a student in particular like go get involved in something that you care about it's i was so like fixated on marks in the beginning in university but like the experience of doing hyperloop changed my entire life like completely i
0: think that's that's really important it's like just getting getting involved in in things that you may think are quote-unquote impossible but like there's something else that's exciting where it's like no one wants the nine to five. COVID fundamentally introduced us to, to like new possibilities. It's like, oh wait, I have more time. I can do different things. I can make things work that I couldn't make work before. Oh, I should try and take bigger swings. I should work on interesting projects. Like I can work on a couple interesting projects. And and if one pans out, then like great. If not, then like no big deal. Oh, and I want to kind of talk about some of the things that you're you're really excited to see kind of get developed using Colab. Ned in one of his blog posts talked about, you know, kind of autonomous vehicles and, and like 4D printing. If that's something you guys talk about of like what is 40, like what does 4D printing mean? And then what are some of the other things that other features that you want to see kind of accelerated that you're hoping Colab will help enable people to build?
1: Yeah, when it comes to like where, why we started it, like we really started because there's a lot of things we wanted to build. And I think selfishly we wanted to kind of build them all. Um, and, you know, in some ways, it actually lets us be a part of building them all. Because, like, our customers are are super cool with, like, how we work with them. Like, we're super close to our customers. So they almost feel like we're, like, a surrogate part of their team, which is, like, really exciting. But for me, like, I, I want just two, just kind of two vectors. There's helping team build what they already build just in a better, more effective way. Like, that's, like, foundational. And it's, like, teaching the processes so that they have that, like, innovation mindset to, like, really do it properly. Like, not so much, like, the big... Themes you hear in industry about digital twins and that kind of stuff. Like that's going to happen. Our focus is on like pure mechanics of like collaboration, communication, so they can just do this better. Like they don't need to think about it. They shouldn't need to be trained. It should just become a way of life. Uh, and then what comes out of that, I think, one one is I think, electrification everywhere. Like pretty much in all all elements. We obviously care too. Like I have you know a bit of a, a bias. I like all everything space. Uh, I think there's just like a ton of innovation happening there. But there's also just like you look at more like the product design or like the med tech space, or even just industrial, like the way lives are changing based on something as simple, like there's a company in Newfoundland called Misa and they build smart thermostats. I literally bought them. And like the value of not having to be cold in my house or waste all the heat and just be able to set it on that and control it from my phone is super high. And there's so many more products like that that need to happen. And I think the quicker we iterate through it, the lower cost to build them, the more people will do it. And then eventually we get all these technologies that we really really want and the things that we need like sustaining the future here in general with you know right now carbon emissions i think all that stuff just becomes much much more practical but i think one of our broader goals is that the smarter groups inside of these bigger companies although they work together now like under contract it's very hard for them to like actually work together i think seeing that cross-pollination between you know, the big OEMs in automotive and like the smartest tier ones, or, you know, the big players in aerospace and some like research group, like really getting people together to like think about how can we do this the same way, like the pandemic forced people together to think about, you know, how did we get a vaccine? I think giving a vehicle for making that easy, that's when we're going to see stuff that like, you know, Ned, our team, the rest of us have never even thought about, which is like super cool. Like I go back to looking at, you know, you talk about relativity, like 3D printing rockets. Like I wouldn't have thought about that four years ago. Like it makes sense now to me. And it's like, oh, I, you know, I kind of expect that now, but four years ago, someone was like, yeah, we're gonna 3D print rockets, send up 3D printers in the rockets somewhere and go then 3D print a whole place. Like who would have thought about that? Like no, nobody, right? Well, I suppose some people would, but not common mainstream stuff. So for me, it's about, you know, there's some things you can see, and 10 years from now, I think we really want to be inspiring the things that no one even thought about in 2021. It's like letting people go beyond where they were and do it practically. Like, that's the key thing. Like, we're not a, like a R&D or innovation platform. Like, we really want the core work to be easy, enjoyable, and then productive for building whatever it is you're building. So do you guys have the ambitions...
0: there's a bunch of companies doing like 3d 3d printed buildings and kind of the the plans around those things they have the hardware component but not the not the software to help kind of align on hey like how should we build this what should it look like etc does that like software exist excuse my naivete but you can do stuff in cad but do you have the same sort of kind of process pipeline in those in those industries or is that kind of what what you guys are hoping to expand into
1: yeah, we're, we're, like, pretty hyper-focused on, like, traditional manufacturing. So, like, auto, aerospace and defense, product design, medical, special equipment, that kind of stuff. But what I think actually needs to happen for, like, 3D printing in general is I think there needs to be, like, really hyper-specific 3D printing applications that make it very easy for the average human to go do it. And i, I give you an example. Like, I'm right now building a house. And the number of, like, 3D drag-and-drop applications there are for, like, doing house building now is incredible. Like it really is. Like my girlfriend and I are like taking the stuff out of Ikea and just like dropping it in here. And it's like, oh, we know what our our house looks like. And it didn't require any engineering background. 3D printing is not that different. If you can lower that barrier to entry, I think that's when like you start getting going and someone prints like a small version of their house, you know, and then then they fire up the contract for laying down the actual house. But there is like, there's been a lot of like tiny home, 3D printed home. I really like a lot of those, like plug-and-play ones. They're almost like the Lego homes. Uh, I forget. I saw a couple of cool ones recently, but there's gonna be more of that, right? Because there's the markets are a mess right now. Like they're just all up, and they're gonna eventually have to go down. And the housing market is like there's a lot of stuff going on there, and you can make housing more affordable and do it in like a nice way and like a cool way. Uh, there's just so many opportunities in that space uh, if you can get the economics right for it.
0: What do you think is driving kind of this kind of shift away from the software to to more of the the hardware. People are building houses, they're building more devices, Hyperloops, rockets, et cetera. That wasn't the case 10 years ago.
1: I think part of it's actually influenced by the software culture. I think people are just getting like scrappier and finding like more low cost ways to start doing things. Um, Like the, the houses is a great example. Like to build a house, a big residential company to go global is basically impossible right now, like from scratch. Whereas these tiny home things, they can figure out a a model that works and then they go build it. Like we see that a lot with small companies is that they've really figured out their business model first. So that doesn't take five years to make money. So then they actually can fund their innovation to go do it. And that's, that's the biggest difference between hardware and software is that software, you know, most founding teams or founding teams and early employees can go build the first thing with very little money. It's almost impossible to do that with hardware unless you have you know, some superpower or some nest egg to kind of tap into. And I think that's what's changing is people are getting much more creative at just like doing smaller type things. And I think also the other part is that there's more money in the market now for investing than there ever has been. And there's a lot of people like myself, like if I had any money uh, to go do it, I would want to be investing in the things that I think fundamentally change the enjoyment of being on this earth. And there's just things that you wouldn't have thought about 10 years ago and goes back to what you believe, like who would have believed in reusable rockets, like practical reusable rockets. Like if you really think about how complicated SpaceX landing on the origin landing rockets is, it's pretty intense when you think about what that really is, but they just do it like a clockwork now, like it's just easy. So it's cool. When we went through Y Combinator, there was a few companies in our batch that did hardware related applications. There was like last mile, like satellite deliveries and like, you know, it's a lot of just like stuff you would never think about until now, like really now when you can see it. And uh, yeah, it's cool. I think people are, it's less about competition um, and it's more about like, how do we pull this thing forward together? Now, in some cases, like, you know, EV is gonna be competitive, but you know, some of those new tech, there are so many problems that uh, I think people just wanna go out there and get at it. Uh, and I love to see it. I mean, for me, it's the most exciting thing everything we find this cool new company and how they're going to launch something in the space or like this, this like XPRIZE challenge. Like I was like, a hundred, I was like a hundred million dollars. I was like, man, like that's actually like, but that makes sense. You're going to actually solve some of these problems that are so big. Putting up 500k reward is, is kind of like, you know, not serious. A hundred million dollars is legit. Like you could start, you could really do something with a hundred million dollars to fix part of this problem. And that's what it takes. It takes people putting, you know, money where their mouth is and, and just going for it. And then, people believing. So anything like, that we didn't, we, didn't we touch on that you think would be important to kind of cover here? We actually just did like, a leadership planning session and a full company thing talking about, you know, 10 years from now, where do we want to be? And what do, we, what do we want to be able to say we achieved? And it's like, you know, looking forward, we want to be able to work with the top innovators in the world and be able to say, you know, this thing happened two years faster because we knew how to do it better. And then it's like, you think about two years faster across all things happening. Then you can actually start start to maybe fix climate change for example you know it's not going to be easy to fix but you can start to make improvements in the right direction on some of the bigger issues and also just like there's a there's a whole other trend like uh, i look at like zipline uh, for example and like there needs to be more of that right like there needs to be more of that and like wing from google and like making things just accessible to the rest of the world because so, like we're really fortunate in north america to have like a pretty advanced set of technology into other places in Europe and, and Asia and parts of the world. But most of the world is not actually like that. And I think we take that for granted, like Starlink, Starlink with the internet, like man, that we're in Newfoundland, Newfoundland very a very rural place and a good portion of this province has really poor cellular reception and internet. That's game changing for here. Like can you imagine the country that doesn't have internet? I mean, we just need more stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm excited about.
0: I don't think people are fully prepared for the implications of gigabit speed internet everywhere you go. Like even even this call right now, I think like the audio is coming through fine, but stuff's a little jumpy because like the internet where I'm at is not like stellar. Things that will be unlocked and the places people can go and where cities can be built. Like the reason there's no cities in my opinion in the Midwest or big like cities in like, out Wyoming or Montana or new cities that are being built. Like you know, internet connection's not great. Transportation's out there isn't great. Like there's lots of you know friction if you could have gigabit internet and you could just build new cities and you could build transportation hubs like in the hyperloop to get you to and from that place in you know, 30 minutes, like there's so much potential that is still on the table.
1: Yeah. We, we always joked about it when we were doing hyperloop that, you know, if you think about what the speed actually is, you could like in Newfoundland, so it's 700 kilometers from like the main city on the East coast to kind of like the main city on the West coast and the West coast is really beautiful. And I was just like, I probably would live out there. Like, I would probably live out there and work in here, or, or split time if I could. But you know, those things aren't possible right now. But that—that's what's exciting. Like, that's like fundamental different modes of life, which makes the quality of life better. Which is, you know, I think anyone who's trying to build things like rocket ships—they're not doing it just for you know, it's cool. Like, there's a, there's a bigger purpose for exploration and unlocking new new opportunities. And yeah, that—that that was what I liked most about Hyperloop was just like the impact it could have on lives and i know like when it first started the competition it was because of like gridlock in la but for me it's like i'm in a pretty remote place um having that to go get to the main like the mainland or get to toronto you a know, long term would be incredible instead of having to sit in the airport for like eight hours going back and forth places so yeah i know i'm i'm excited
0: love it where can people find you and how can they support colab uh, you had a solid call to action for people to just go kind of get involved in, in things that shake their psychology up. But uh, any other, any other closing thoughts?
1: My biggest advice for anybody who's like considering making a change or looking for inspiration is like, go find someone or something that you think is cool and figure out how it got started. And like really dive in. And if someone like, you want to talk, someone to find someone to talk to, whether it's, you know, me or someone else, like you get pointed to something that gets you going, gets you motivated it makes it worth taking the risk because like, you can't just like switch in just like for free. There is a switching cost in life. But when you do something that's fulfilling, you don't feel like you're working. If you don't feel like you're working, you're generally happier. If you're happier, you know everything else is better. So yeah, that'd be my call to action. I mean, if people want to connect uh, LinkedIn or Twitter, just Adam Keating on LinkedIn and I think it's Adam Keating and Al on Twitter, but feel free to reach out there and uh would love to continue the conversation. Cool.
0: And then... Any products for for collab? Most of the audience is like yeah, students and like builders, people who want to go uh, create things.
1: I would say like, yeah, think big. If you have ideas, like we, we still, uh, we support student teams. So if there's student teams that are building cool stuff, they want to reach out either just for like a discussion about it or see if we can help, like feel free to reach out. That's where we started, right? And I, we still work with some teams that are doing some really cool stuff today. And I think the biggest thing is, you know, just go do it. Like take the, Take the risk now, especially if you're in university, it's like the best time to take a gamble on an internship or, you know, do something that feels a bit, you know, risky. Like it's really pretty low risk in your university years. But once you get out and you have, you know, eventually a job and family and this kind of stuff, then it's a little bit harder. Uh, but when you're just like in a class and you can go decide to build rockets for uh, a while, that's pretty fun. So I I'd say take the chance now and enjoy it while, while you have the opportunity. Cool.
0: Adam, that's that's all I got. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Uh, excited to continue to see what you and, you and Colab continue to do and in the future that gets built
1: as a result. Sweet. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Build the Future podcast. If you're building and want to get support, want to hear about certain topics or hear from certain people, shoot us over an email to hello at buildthefuturepodcast.com. Or follow me, Cameron, on Twitter, at Cam and we'll see what we can make happen. That's it from us. Until next time, go build.